The Boating Life Podcast with Savvy Navi, making marine navigation at sea easy. This podcast is brought to you by the Savvy Navi Boating App. Plan your trip at sea with ease, predict your fuel usage, check the weather and calculate your time of arrival in seconds. Welcome to another in the Savvy Navi podcast series. I'm your host, Kerry Herford-Jones, and it's a pleasure to welcome you once again on board as I meet up with a wonderful variety of guests who are all connected in some way, shape or form to the marine world. This series is designed specifically to try and help reduce the barriers to boating and show how you can potentially overcome them. Among our guest experts in this series will be a ship's pilot, a marina operator and one of the team from Sunsail. I'll also be chatting to the RNLI, along with a specialist marine insurance broker, to name but a few. So as a recap, in the last podcast, we met up with our two intrepid young sailors and their Jack Russell Freddy, Lauren and Adam, who've decided to challenge themselves with circumnavigating the coast of the UK over the next 12 months. In this episode, we'll find out more about their alternative lifestyle, Plus, we'll hear from the CEO of Pro Marine Store, who believes the way his company offers its products and services is a little bit different from the rest. Okay, we meet up again with Adam and Lauren on board the good ship Phoenix out there somewhere in the UK. We're going to tease you with that because we'll come back to that later as to where they're going and how their journey is going. Adam, Lauren, Thank you so much for joining us again for today's podcast. Hello, thank you oh, yeah. for having Thanks us back having again. Us back. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Uh, well, that means you didn't disgrace yourselves last time, guys, that we actually want to come back and meet up again. <laughs> That's good, then. Not a first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've given us the background to you, to yourselves, to Phoenix, how you ended up with her. Uh, and, of course, we haven't yet mentioned Freddie very much, so we need to come back to Freddie in a moment. Adam, on the last podcast, you were saying you bought the boat, but then hadn't actually got anywhere to berth it. What did you do? So I just visited a few uh, local marinas to check out their facilities. And luckily, they were very accommodating. And they said we had space, so I moved it around. Lesson learnt there. Get your berth organised almost before you complete then, I take it. Yes, I would definitely recommend having a berth to go to first. Because the whole process is... It's a bit of a daunting process, so having everything laid out as a plan would have helped me there. I think it's really important to now have this conversation about living on board a boat versus using a boat for weekends and holidays and things. There's a real major difference here, and that's got to also shape your thinking about buying a boat, doesn't it? Mm, Definitely. So we had a slightly unique position, I guess, that we'd never even holidayed on board a boat when we bought Phoenix. So when I met Adam, he already lived on his smaller boat and then we got Phoenix together, but we've never actually been away on a boat for holiday purposes. So we really can only speak from living aboard experiences, really. But it was important, as you say, to to look for the boat that actually has what you were looking for. And if anybody was even for a moment contemplating moving from the land to the sea, what's some of your key pieces of advice for people so i think it's important to be honest there are pros but there are also cons so by living on board a boat you still have to do the day-to-day tasks of laundry you can get washing machines on board but generally we use the marina facilities but that comes at a cost and time it's a long process going back and forth to the marina machines all the time but it 
It's something you do have to think about. Water, you're obviously not plugged into the mains water, so you do have to keep an eye on your water tanks and your water consumption, which is probably not a bad thing because I think you become more aware of what the level of water that you are using. You have to buy gas, uh, which has to be topped up uh, manually. You can get that from the chandlery. Uh, obviously, the, the main one would be limited space, but I don't really think that... For us, that's not ever really been an issue. We're quite happy to live in a smaller space. You don't have a garden as such, but you do... I would say you inherit the space around you, so you can mm. have a garden wherever you want, really. The river becomes your garden. There are lots of pros. I think the main thing for me is that you become very aware of the weather, and I don't think I had the same awareness when I lived in a house, so I'm always aware of what the wind's doing, the tide, is it springs or neeps what's the moon doing i think you just become more connected to nature and you get the secret views by sitting out in the cockpit in the evening and you're looking at the river and the sun setting and you kind of get a different view than you would perhaps if you lived on on land yeah you see fish swimming around in summer bird life you feel that you're living in the outside and i think it's, it's worth mentioning that you know, there are going to be compromises uh, to, to living on board. As Lauren said, space is, a, is an obvious one. But, you know, I think it's, you, as humans, you just adapt to it. And after a week or so, maybe this is just us, but you just don't notice these things or you've just learnt to live with them. And it's, we've never really found anything that has put us off, oh, obviously, as we're still living on a boat. But I think it's important that you just realise that there's going to be sacrifices but you'll get used to them and you just make it work. You can make it work, yeah. One thing often levels at liverboards is that they must be cold in the winter. Often said to people, oh my goodness me, it must be so cold. What, what's your answer to them? I think that is our most frequently asked question for both of us. <laughs> Definitely. We've been asked this multiple, multiple times. And the answer is no, we don't get cold. I'm actually warmer on the boat than I ever have been in a house. It's a smaller space to heat. Obviously, it doesn't take as long to warm up. We do have a diesel heater and we've had an electric heater in the past and in the future perhaps maybe would love to get a burner, a log burner on board. But, you know, there are options available. But I would say it's a smaller space and no, we don't get cold. Although in the winter we do heavily rely on our electric blanket. An electric blanket is, is it's a luxury, it's obviously only if you're connected to shore power, but it, it is a must, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> and what about cooking facilities? Because when you're living in a house, you've usually got a, a fairly decent oven of some description, a fairly decent four-ring grill hob of some description as well. You've got, as you say, all that space in a house or a flat for, for pots and pans. How do you make that work? I haven't really ever had any issues with it. To be completely honest, one of our burners on our hobs actually doesn't really work, so we currently only have one burner. So that's an extra challenge. But I think you just, again, you just make it work. So I have cooked roast dinners on board, and you just have to cook two vegetables in one pan instead of one. And it's just small things like that you learn to adapt. And I think you just, I just clean up as I go, and I don't find I have you know, limited space. I think if I had more space, I'd make more mess. So it's never really been a problem. And we've got a decent sized fridge. We've just recently bought a freezer, which has been amazing. But yeah, you make it work. So we've upgraded our sinks. So we've got a double sink now, which has helped to create more space. But I've never sort of thought, oh, I wish the kitchen was bigger. The galley is absolutely fine. It's worth mentioning that if you have a big galley and, and you are sailing, 
it's sometimes harder if you wanted to come down, prepare a little bit of lunch while you're underway, or even just a cup of tea. It needs to be safe as well. You don't want to just be flying around everywhere because that could then lead to some quite serious injuries, uh, especially if there's hot objects around. You can buy uh, bigger ovens and things like that, but as Lauren said, you, you really don't notice, it's, especially we're only cooking for two. It depends on your size of crew. Then there's a the balance to bring into this about living together and working together, getting the boats through the water. You've got to get on pretty well when you're in a close, confined space like that, haven't you? We're absolutely fine. We don't have any issues. But I think if you are somebody that needs your own space, then that is to be taken into account. But saying that, sometimes, you know, I'll quite happily just go off and read my book and you'll be pottering around doing something else. And, you know, there are spaces that you can... Yeah. essentially get away from each other but <laughs> you just have to make yeah you can make it work in an anchorage and one of you wants a bit of spare time you could take the dinghy to shore maybe go on a walk mm. or uh, look around the town or something like that so it's not we haven't found it too bad no. now we mentioned freddie earlier on in this podcast and it's important we bring animals into the equation because quite a lot of people these days are setting off with a, a small doggy. So first of all, introduce us to Freddie and uh, tell us about him. Oh, well, Freddie is the star of the show, really, I have to say. He's the main crew member on board. So he's three years old now. Um, he's a Jack Russell and he's only ever lived on a boat. So it's all he's ever known. And we take him absolutely everywhere with us. He's been camping in Cornwall. He's been hiking. He's climbed mountains in Wales. He sailed all around the south coast and He's now on our travels with us now and you know i wouldn't be without him it's a pleasure to have him on board he's a true sea dog he is <laughs> there are necessities of any animal or human how, how do you cope with that so i think the main one to probably talk about that people were interested in is how does he go to the toilet so from when he was a puppy he was chained on puppy pads which we do take him to shore you know regularly every day but as a backup, he is still trained to use pads if we feel that it's needed, if we're underway and he was desperate to go. He would go on a pad, but we're in the process of training him to use an artificial bit of grass, although it's not going too well because I think every doggy can smell land and they know that you will take them to shore, so he's holding on currently. But yeah, that's the plan, is to get him trained on a bit of artificial grass. I know it works quite well for other people. Mm. We've had quite a lot of recommendations. Um, and something that I think it's worth mentioning is depending on the size of dog that you either have or are thinking about getting you've got to think about how you're going to be getting that dog on board so if your berth's turned two you might be able to just walk straight on or you might have to put a side gate in and a couple of uh, people we know have actually built their own ramps so that the dog can walk on board and walk down the companionway into the boat which is quite uh, an interesting challenge but I think it's definitely something that you need to consider is, is how you're going to be getting them on and off because you will be doing that when you're going to be walking them two, three times a day. And also to be aware that when you're on a mooring buoy, you are going to have to get in the dinghy. It might be late at night, it might be raining, it might be low tide, you might have to get a bit muddy, but they are going to need to be taken to shore. So it's just something, it's not as easy as opening the back door and letting them out in the garden. But I would say all of that, considered it's worth it 100 percent worth it we have such a lovely time taking him around with us on the boat yeah um, and we ha we haven't yet traveled abroad but if you are thinking about going abroad then you might have to think about passports vaccinations which 
could incur extra costs mm. or uh, extra things to think about. So this is not the time to start thinking about putting the Great Dane on the boat then, probably? No, it wouldn't be not, ideal, I don't think. Not unless you're prepared to make adaptions. I'd say anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> what about safety on the boat with not just yourselves obviously but with the dog uh, do you have to think about things the netting and stuff like that that you have to think about yeah so we did install some netting a few years ago which has really helped he hasn't ever actually tried to jump off he has fallen in the water once but that was due to our fault we were at the marina so it wasn't out when we were sailing no, and just before we installed the netting he decided uh, to jump onto the pontoon as I decided to try and stop him. But I stopped him midway and he just <laughs> fell between the boat and the pontoon. Luckily, uh, all was fine. Uh, of course, uh, I grabbed him straight away and he was fine. But yeah, I would say netting is a must. And also, we do clip him on whenever we're underway. He's okay on deck. He's quite sensible. Like I said, he's only ever known living on a boat, so he's used to his sort of perimeter. But we do have a harness for him which is like a buoyancy aid if he was to fall in then he would be fine in that and I mean you can even go as far as putting like a PLB on him if you wanted mm -hmm. we haven't yet done that but it is an option you've got uh, he certainly sounds like he's living a right royal life and uh, we'd obviously like to ask him for his views and comments on it but what, what would you think he'd be thinking when am I going to go to land next I think probably <laughs> I think he experiences a lot of different smells surroundings he's always on the deck sniffing if we're near a bird sanctuary, he's in heaven most of the time. You mentioned earlier, Lauren, and, and I think it's worth exploring a little bit more about this connection with nature. As human beings, we, we are always looking for that connection. We're trying to find an extra dimension to our lives. And being at one with nature, being this close to it on a boat, it, it's pretty unique, isn't it? That, that kind of connection with the outside world. Yeah, to me, it feels so special. I've noticed so many more things by being on the boat and just having an awareness of is it a full moon how is it a waxing waning moon is the tide springs or neaps is the wind what direction which you know is it going to be gusting tonight all of these things even if you're not going sailing by living on a boat you have an underlying awareness of them and i just think that's so special mm. and have you become more adept at identifying uh, different species of birds yeah i think adam's the expert at this really well, I wouldn't say an expert, but definitely we've been learning different different birds as we've been going along that we can hear at night. You, you can often hear them either in the morning, singing in the morning, and, and you're starting to pick out different noises. Mm. And then you're just sort of looking them up in the book and finding out what they are, if they're migrationary birds. It's become mm. quite interesting. It's something we're just about to start getting into. And it's not just birds as well. We've recently had a little visit from a seal, which was amazing. Very close to the boat in the tender. He was there overnight and then I managed to catch some special time with him in the morning. Wow. And that was just amazing to have him so close to the boat. Goodness me. I mean, that's, that really is at one with nature, isn't it? Listen, I, I need from you mm. uh, three things you think are real positives about living on a boat and can I ask for three things that perhaps more challenging i won't say massive negativities but, but perhaps the negative so three positives and three negatives i think for me the main positive is the fact that i feel like i get hidden views views that you wouldn't get from land and i just think that's amazing to have a sort of secret lens on the world sometimes yeah again being connected to nature that's probably the main pros for me so for me one of the main pros is the sense of freedom. 
the fact that you can up anchor in the morning or slip your lines, travel to a new destination, moor up, explore somewhere new, and even if it might only be 15 miles down the river or out at sea, you feel such a sense of achievement and you feel like you're in a completely different place. And that for me is one of the biggest pros really, that, that sense of adventure and exploring. It's just something that's deep rooted in all of us, I think. It's an adventure, but also an adventure that you can take your home with you. Yeah. You have the comforts and you're never going to leave anything at home because you have it all with you. The cons, I wouldn't say there's really too many negatives because we just love it so much. But I think that some people would be affected by the fact you haven't got a garden and the lack of space. Mm-hmm. And also you have to learn a lot to be able to do this. It's not something you can just step on board and off you go. You have to spend a lot of time and effort and be very dedicated, I think, to learning and developing your sailing skills in order to be able to go travelling and go away safely on the boat. It depends what sort of boat you're going to go for, but, you know, it does become a big part of your life is this constant learning. And especially uh, when it comes down to maintenance. It all depends on people's experience with tools and things like that, but you will need to learn a kind of a basic electrical knowledge, basic mechanical knowledge, because unfortunately things are going to break. They might not be serious breakages, but it might mean you have to go down and top up the coolant or change... the water pipe that's burst, boiling hot water sprouting out. Yeah, when we bought um, the boat that we're on now, the fridge wasn't working properly, and I thought, oh, do we have to replace the fridge? But in the end, I just redid the wires, a thicker wire, And it's been fine since. So you do have to bear that in mind that you will have to fix things en route. Great advice. Uh, Later podcasts, we'll be touching on, as I said earlier, things about where you're going, your plans and and how you're getting on with the whole sailing effort and the energy required to, to get yourselves going to where you want to go. But it sounds to me like you're having a brilliant adventure, guys. And as you say, every day's a learning day. Yeah, definitely. It's not a negative as such that it's a constant learning because I think that sort of self-development is really important. And as an adult, I don't think you often get exposed to things that require so much learning and dedication and starting from scratch. So in that respect, it's so rewarding as well. It is, definitely. It's being pushed out of your comfort zone and finding that you can deal with these issues and just by trying and having a good mindset and being positive you can fix or you can get round problems really easily guys absolutely brilliant thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast i hope it hasn't taken too much time out of your busy day relaxing on deck no it was a pleasure to speak to you yes it's a pleasure thanks guys getting stressed out planning your next sailing trip savvy navi acts like your silent first mate cross-checking your calculations and providing all the information you need to get out on the water safely. Get integrated charts, weather forecasts, tidal heights, tidal streams, distance calculations and more in one place. Whether you're looking to plan an entire trip or just want to check the charts, tide and weather, it's as easy as one, two, three. Sail safe, sail easy. Sail with Savvy Navi. Download the app now on the Apple app and Google Play stores to start your free trial. Having heard about some of the issues around maintaining a boat from Adam and Lauren's point of view, it seemed logical now to talk to Ben Roth, the CEO of Pro Marine Store. 
I asked him to tell us more about what made his childery different and how he goes about empowering boat owners to help themselves more. We set up a Pride Marine store a year ago, actually, in, in three days is our uh, first anniversary. And it's proved to be um, a real success in that we found what I thought was a gap in the market. And it turns out to have been proved right by the previous year's activities in providing not just equipment for boaters, sailors all over the place, but also what we really enjoy, which is the customer service and the consultancy side of things, where people come and reach out to us and perhaps they want to solve a problem on the boat or find a solution, but they're not entirely sure how they're going to go about that. And so we go ahead and do all the research and then present them what we think is the best solution and why, and we talk through it over some time and then eventually we create a package for them to solve that problem on board. It sounds like a real consultative kind of business. Just give us a bit of background to yourself, Ben. What was your interest in in boating? How did this sort of all come together? Well, actually, funnily enough, in a previous life, I was an RAF pilot. That's where I started my career, if you like. But in the forces, there's a lot of availability, emphasis and opportunity for sailing and in, as part of the adventurous training that's available in the forces. And so I got involved in the sailing side of things just by accident, really. But I really enjoyed it and got more and more involved and then ended up doing various qualifications and taking people on expeditions and sailing all over the place for the forces and often working with not people in the RAF, so to speak, but it could be, you know, army, navy, whoever, but taking them out and taking sort of pushing them in their comfort zone slightly, maybe, and teaching them how to sail. <laughs> you say that almost understated about taking people out of their comfort zones. I mean, that's that's the nature of being on a boat, isn't it, in many ways? Yeah, I mean, it's a constant learning process. You know, every time you go out, you learn something new, you come up against something that you haven't experienced before, maybe, and, and every time you come back you feel that sense of satisfaction that you've improved your knowledge of sailing and you know taking yourself forward and that's really what we're now using the shop to do which is to teach people and um, educate people in how to look after their boats or what kit they might need and why and then how to fit it or you know helping them through every step of the way. So can you give me an example or two perhaps of people that you've helped in that consultative way we've been talking about? Yeah, I mean, we've worked with numerous YouTube channels now, which I really enjoy, both in the UK, Ireland, in Europe. We've worked with a few channels where we've provided quite a lot of equipment now and sort of talked our way through how to fit that equipment or what they might need or whatever. And then recently, we've just done a a large project with a gentleman in Jersey who is doing a complete solar system on his boat because he's basically tired of needing to run some sort of engine to create electricity. So he wants to invest heavily in solar and all the things that go around with solar, renewable energy and all the things you need for that. So we've just completed a a, a large project on, I think it's a 55 foot or something like that, catamaran. So that's a really good one to complete at the moment. There are lots of childeries out there. Let's be honest about this. You talk a lot here about individualising the service that you're offering. That itself is quite a challenge to actually still offer the kind of mainstream and and return on investment from your point of view. Yeah, we make no um, secret of the fact we don't compete on every nut and bolt that's available out there, you know, as a Stan Chandlery might that has every single nut and bolt that you could possibly want. We don't try and partly because 
I'm not particularly interested in doing that. And also because it's there's that, 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 that particular market is entirely saturated. Instead, we concentrate on the potentially higher value items, but also the more specialist items that need specific technical knowledge to really get in place. So an example of that would be water makers. If you put a water maker on a boat, that's not just something that you just take on, on the boat, bolt in a corner and then forget about it. It's a specialist bit of kit that requires quite a lot of background knowledge to not only how to fit it but also how to maintain it you know so water makers is one solar is another you know there are lots of things out there which need a lot of technical expertise to get it right so that the customer has a, a good longevity with that so from a boat owner's perspective you can invest a lot of money into a lot of kit you're not always going to get the best out of it if it's not fitted properly absolutely i mean the fitting is as important as the choice of the equipment you know, and this comes up time and time again, where people have had equipment fitted, let's say poorly or not quite right, where they then come out frustrated and, and sometimes quite angry in the fact that they've paid all this money for this equipment and it's not working as they wished, you know, and then they're told to go and buy a new part, which arguably if it had been done properly in the first place you know it they wouldn't need to this happens a lot on boats i think yeah i'm only smiling with the pain of it really to be quite honest with you ben because we, yeah. <laughs> we've we've all been there so let's talk around some of the insights you from your perspective into the challenges around boat maintenance and management particularly for new owners yeah i mean boat maintenance in my opinion has always been maybe a little bit of a sort of dark art uh, particularly before the world of youtube and you would have to go and pay someone either because you were scared of doing it yourself or you didn't have the knowledge, you know, and, and a, a huge part of our business is teaching people, educating them how these things work and empowering them to either have a go themselves or to at least understand it fully so that they can then fix things when you're out on the water and there's no one available to ask, you know, a, a classic example of that would be, for example, working with epoxy and fiberglass that, Maybe you would be sort of potentially scared of working with epoxy and fiberglass if you hadn't done it before. But actually, there's so much educational material out there and so much advice that we can give that people actually can become empowered to have a go themselves and realise that none of these things is actually impossible. You know? mm. Mm. yeah there is that i think you're absolutely right my long-suffering first mate would often say the same is that actually you know what kerry you could probably do that if you put your mind to it with the right preparation and the right youtube channel absolutely i think empowering people to realize that the, the people who do this for a living are, are not geniuses they just are educated so all all we need to do is educate the sailing population to realize that they can have the courage to do it themselves and through our consultancy guidance and you know recommendations people do achieve what they thought they couldn't and that's that's the part of the business that we really get a lot of pleasure from is to help people empowering them and bringing people into sailing that perhaps didn't think that they could do it what about uh, typical customers for you then ben what was your typical customer looking like in your first year of trading typical customers well when it's when the whole thing started, it would just be sort of casual customers looking for this, that, or the other. But as time has gone by, there's more and more people who contact us with a sort of clean sheet, you know, ideas of what they want to achieve on their boat. And then very quickly, they realize that they're getting a level of customer service and also technical knowledge from us that they are not used to getting. And so many times we get we get reviews or, or whatever it might be, feedback saying how they can't believe that you can get such service these days. 
and and that's not to blow our own trumpet that's just that's sort of to highlight how poor or how lacking the service is generally you just go online you buy it and then that's it you know if, if you call the company you may be able to get some level of technical knowledge but not necessarily really in-depth stuff that really gives you confidence in what's going on hmm. there is a growing body of liverboards there's a growing body of sea gypsies out there something else you can help with an area you can develop going into the future you mean yes well i suppose it's just taking you know one of the biggest areas that's that's coming up more and more is that of renewable energy and people wanting to satisfy their electricity requirements on a boat in it with renewable energy people moving away from diesel generators or, or petrol outboards or things like that and moving into any way that they can to to get a little bit cleaner on a boat you know so an area that we're working a lot on is renewable energy things like the new world of electric powered outboard motors for example which is a, a new massively expanding industry and you know in a few years it's not going to be possible in Western Europe to buy a petrol outboard motor you know at least a new one you know and so we're starting to sell electric outboards which sound like they wouldn't work but they're getting to the point now where they're maturing and they actually do achieve what people want them to achieve and so it becomes a viable option for both um, an outboard motor and also hydroelectric regeneration whereby you can trail the the outboard in the water and then it will actually recharge the batteries when you're sailing along this is a a fantastic part of the market that, that i think is is the future you know and i'm really happy to work in that green space so partnerships are important what does a partnership with savvy navi mean to you and to pro marine ben we were introduced to Savvy Navi a while ago, actually through one of our uh, YouTube uh, channels that we help. And it was very soon clear that ourselves and Savvy Navi have a sim philosophy on how we, we see the sailing world in terms of empowering people, making things simple and making things achievable and accessible for people who maybe lack some confidence in on, on the water or, or in navigation and things like that. So working together has been a fantastic opportunity for very like-minded people to uh, discuss things and to help each other out, to steer our customers both ways, to help maintain that level of customer service, for example. And just generally, uh, the bottom line of the whole thing is to encourage people to get out on the water and to grow in confidence, you know, with either their maintenance, with the products they use, or with the navigation, or whatever it might be. A good partnership then that clearly ticks a lot of the boxes on both sides. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we, we love working with them. You know, I speak to David uh, a lot of the time, and uh, we're sort of discussing things in the background and talking to different YouTube channels or different projects, and a definitely mutually beneficial relationship. So, in conclusion with today's podcast, Ben, uh, your moment has arrived for a 30-second pitch as to why people should consider using ProMarine online chandlery. Well, if anyone is looking to achieve something on their boat, but is a little bit potentially scared or confused, or needs a little bit more guidance as to how they want to achieve that, or just wants to be recommended high-quality products from our curated range, as we call it, things that we've picked from the industry, then do get in touch with through the website, promarinestore.co.uk, and uh, we're more than happy to help you on uh, even the smallest puzzles or problems on your boat, and we're very happy to go that extra mile for you to research exactly what product is going to be right for you. 
Ben Ross, thank you very much indeed for joining us for today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the moment. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure being on your uh, podcast and I was delighted to get the opportunity to come on. So thank you so much for inviting me. So guys, you're about to set off from your home berth, uh, but what actually happened? So when we got dropped back into the water, you go on board and make sure everything's okay. So as I went on board, first I had a rushing of water, so I immediately... They ripped up all the floorboards and to find our speed log hadn't been screwed back in properly. So I had to unscrew that. That's not actually too bad of a job. And then reseal that, screw that back down. Then, checking all of the seacocks, I noticed that we had a seacock that was leaking from the hull fitting. And to find out what happened next, join us for the next podcast. The Boating Life Podcast with Savvy Navi. Making marine navigation at sea easy.